Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, October 15th. We are excited to have you guys here with us tonight, and we are excited to speak with our guests tonight. But before we do, I just want to remind you guys that if you have a comment or a question for us or for our guests, please give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. You can also catch Denise over on Twitter. We are beauty underscore talk. And um, you can also email any questions or comments to beautygirlsmedia at gmail.com. Before we speak with our guest tonight, I'm going to turn it over to Denise for some beauty news. Good evening, everyone, and thank you guys again for joining us tonight. Um, Just very quickly, I have two things tonight. Um, In August, friend to this podcast, Julia Pettis, uh, won the title Denman State Star USA. Uh, She won tools, continuing education, money, and a trip to London to compete for the title of Denman State Star Global. She will be competing tomorrow along with three other finalists, uh, Christine Alves from France, Emma Dixon from the UK and Ireland, and Nobu Hirahara from Japan. Um, So they will all each be presenting live on stage at Salon International at 12.45 p.m. tomorrow uh, in London. So we wish them all well, but we are super excited for Julia, and we hope she brings the title home. Again, it would be the title of Demon Stage Star Global. So we hope she can uh, bring that award home. And out uh, on Netflix right now, The Black Beauty Effect. Um, The Black Beauty Effect is a three-episode docuseries that explores how influential black professionals in the beauty industry challenged and redefined standards around their representation. Uh, Some of the familiar faces that you will see in the docuseries, Sam Fine, Sir John, Amber Riley, Megan Good, Priscilla Stevens, uh, Julie Wilson, Desiree Rogers, Nikki Taylor, and many more. So, again, you can check it out on Netflix now. And that was called the Black Beauty Effect, correct? Black Beauty Effect, yes. Gotcha. All right. We're not going to hold our guests up any longer. We're excited to have Melissa Hibbert on the line with us. She's the CEO and founder of Shift Beauty. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good evening. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. We are excited to have you. I'm glad you could um, come on with us tonight. 
Uh, let's just jump straight into the conversation. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, where you're from, and how you just got started in the beauty industry. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you know, my, <laughs> I, know I, I think about my journey, and it's so much to think about how do I, how do I um, give the cliff notes of my journey, but, you know, I am a <laughs> yeah, I'm a proud, you know, immigrant. My parents immigrated here in the 80s from Jamaica, and uh, we came to the U.S. to give a, you know, to give us a better life. And I grew up in a little bit of California, then moved up to Oregon where I went to high school. And that's where beauty, I bit the beauty bug. I was, uh, while in high school, I had an opportunity to attend a trade school um, simultaneously, and that trade school was a beauty school. So we had options, and I chose to go to beauty school while in high school. So at the age of wow. 15, I was in beauty school and high school at the same time, graduated from high school and beauty school simultaneously, and I chose to go to college. I wanted that traditional um, experience, so I went to the phenomenal Fisk University, HBCU, and I wanted to, you know, college for me, I wanted, you know, if my parents made out that sacrifice to bring us here. I wanted to ensure that we fulfilled, you know, our part. And I, you know, for me, that formal college education was important. But while in college, I was still doing hair and makeup. I found an abandoned mm-hmm. salon in my dorm and started doing <laughs> hair and makeup on the weekends out of that abandoned salon. But I still stuck to the traditional from, from, from college to corporate America. I moved to New York City one week after graduating college. I landed in brand marketing, and um, I worked 14 years in corporate brand marketing for various major companies. Nike worked on the agency side um, for Uniworld and worked with brands like Ford and Coca-Cola, moved over into entertainment television, working for BET Networks. And then my final corporate job was here in Los Angeles, working um, managing entertainment marketing for the Los Angeles Times. But all the while working in corporate America, I was what you called, you know, just I was that – the silent beauty professional. No one knew that I was interested in beauty in that way as a, as a service and as, and as a creative because I didn't, want to, I didn't want to tarnish my corporate reputation as a professional. And for some reason, mm-hmm. I felt that I wouldn't be taken seriously having this knack and this passion for beauty to do makeup and to, and to provide those services. So I only did it for friends and family, you know, weddings, parties, those kinds of things. And I really never charged because, again, I had my – my corporate career as my cushion and as how I made my living. So beauty, I was just sort of giving it away for free um, until I reached my ceiling in corporate America, as I say. And I, it was time to leave. And when it was time to leave, I had to figure out what was that next move. It was, it was there all along. I had to get to beauty. And that's what I did. Left corporate America, walked right into film and television as a beauty professional, but I had a plan. It wasn't just to be a creative. It was to be, a businesswoman in, in the in the space of beauty, but I had to work my way up from the bottom, and I wasn't willing. I wasn't unwilling to do that because I knew what the, what my journey, what my purpose was, and what my ultimate goal was. So that's sort of I'll bring you up to sort of how I even got here. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to continue, but I, I wanted to sort of give you that journey um, through college to corporate America to landing in the beauty industry. Wow, that. Oh, my gosh, there's so many questions I have based on what you said. Because um, both my sister and I kind of have similar experiences in that we mm-hmm. had a corporate background and probably mm-hmm. worked for about, just as long as you said, about 14 years, probably about 
13, 14 years before, you know, started to do um, makeup full time as a career. Uh You know, it was always on the weekends, you know, that side job type of thing. Um, And then probably after about 13 years is when I um, probably may have been more like, maybe more about like 15 years later, I, um, you know, started to do makeup full time. But very similar as you didn't talk about it at work, didn't really (laughs) want many people to know. At work, I mean, mm-hmm. I just had, I had a coworker that I was really close to, and she was the only person that, that knew. Um, yeah. And when I would take off of work to go work on, like, a film or television set, she wouldn't, she wouldn't even know until I came back. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. it was right. very something that we, I just kept to myself um, for mm-hmm. the same exact reasons. Um, but I wanted to go all the way back to that abandoned salon. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Explain that. <laughs> oh, my God. When I tell you this was the dorm that I did not want to be in, I wanted to be mm-hmm. in a newer, more historic, more, you know, um, more popular dorm, and I didn't end up in that dorm for whatever reason. And I always look at everything. God has a plan for everything, so I'm not, you know what I mean? I understand the big picture now, but at the time, I was like, oh, I didn't want to be in that dorm, but that's where I landed. <laughs> so after dropping off my suitcases into the dorm, I decided I wanted to take a tour. Since I'm going to be here, let's see what's going on in this building. And I got to the third floor, and I noticed there was like a a sun shining into this dark room. It was plastic over everything. But out of the corner, there was like a lifted, there was like a corner, it was like a port, it was like a a white, um, like a figure in there. And I said, I know what a sink looks like. Because, again, I just came out of beauty school while graduating from high school and beauty school. I'm like, that looks like a sink to me. And it was the only thing that was, like, visible, but it was a small corner, but the light from the window was shining on it. And I said, you know what? I think that is a, a, a sink bulb. So I finagled my way into breaking into the, you know, I'm going to be honest, breaking into the room. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, and I did. And went in there, and I ripped off the plastic, and it was, two sinks, a chair, a full salon. There was some damage. Wow. So uh, I found out later that there was some kind of fire in that room, and that's kind of what happened, and it wasn't operable for like 15, 20 years, like for a very, very long time. And oh, so wow. I'm like, nobody else wanted to use this? I mean, so I went to Walmart, got a bunch of cleaning products, dusted that thing off, cleaned it up as best as I can, and luckily, I have some friends that I also went to high school with that also went through that beauty program with me were also attended college with me. So we just kind of made it into this moment. And then we recruited some locals. So we had a, a local woman who, young, local young woman who did nails. So she set up mm-hmm. her little nail station in the salon. And we had this thing, like, moving. Now, granted, we were charging, like, $5, $7, sometimes not charging at all, because for us it was so communal and so fun. But right. we ran that thing on weekends and nights in the dorm that I did not want to be in. And God just like, you know, I just, it's still to this day a pinch me moment because it's just unbelievable how I was able to discover that. permission or anything? I did not ask permission. And that is the story of my life. I don't ask for permission. I just ask for forgiveness later, okay? So, you know, I did not ask for permission. I went in there and I said, look, I need to, and here's what I did do. To protect my interests, I became the president of that dorm. So no one, I had to answer to no one. 
I went through right. and I ran the election. I ran the election and became the president of the dorm. And who who am I going to answer to but me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I and love that yeah, story. the rest is the rest is history, as they say. But yeah, so it was amazing to me to be and I, you know, like some people have their first red lipstick put on by me or their first eyebrow out arched because of me, you know, like services and things that, you know, now you're sort of coming into your womanhood where, you know, we're freshmen in college. Right. So there are a lot of things Mm -hmm. that, you know, people were exploring with hair and makeup, you know, um, and we were able to provide that in that small room. Um, And so years later, I, you know, every time I go back, I I always think about, I want to do, and it's still not fully renovated. I mean, it's functional because we made it functional, but, you know, mm-hmm. my dream is to go back and, and, and like really, like, renovate it and make it, like, a modern, you know, beauty lounge because it's still available. So every time I go from homecoming, I always go to that room and take pictures and videos in there. And it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. Wow. It's still there, yeah. So it's just it's just amazing how that happened uh, like that. <laughs> it really is. I'm so glad that's a part of my story because I couldn't believe it. Right, and, and you said you said you 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 went to Fisk. I went to Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. I was gonna say, yeah, that's Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Wow. So, so <laughs> you 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 get out of school, you go to New York, mm-hmm. and you get this job. Yeah. I went out, so, yeah, I graduated from college, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just, you had the job when you graduated or you had to just get a job? Honey, that's a whole other story. I <laughs> did not have a job when I graduated from college because I was supposed to go to law school. But mm-hmm. I did not want to go to law school. Took the LSAT, everything, applied. I could, I did not have it. Like, I could not figure out why I just, law school wasn't my, my journey. I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. I was I, I, I interned at law at law firms because that was a part of you know the re- prerequisites. I interned at law firms. I interned at the state legislature. I was in legal environments most of my college career. Everything said Melissa was going to go to law school. However, my soul and it just I just was not feeling it. So I said, where can I go? Where the where the possibilities are endless. There's only one state that I know and one city that I know, and that's New York City, and that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I, I, I left Nashville, Tennessee one week after graduating with a one-way plane ticket, one suitcase, um, and uh, 25 resumes that I had printed in the, the computer lab because I also work there too. I am a Jamaican, <laughs> so you'll hear that I have multiple jobs, okay? Um, and pre-printed uh, resumes, and I had $100, which was the, the last money that I had left after all of my graduation gifts and paying some of my debt to leave Nashville and all of that, $100, mm-hmm. and I gave myself one week to find a job, which meant that I couldn't really take a lot of subways. I couldn't really do spend a lot of money because I needed $100 to carry me through. So my strategy was to work with the employment agency that I had already been working with most of my college career. And because I know employment agents, employment agencies pay weekly. So Mm -hmm. if that was going to be my, so I leveraged what I had already built, you know, a relationship with was this uh, Apple one employment agency. They put me out on a bunch of job interviews. And by that Friday I had five job offers 
and then I started on Monday. Uh-huh. I walked most more. I walked most of my interviews because I didn't want to spend much money for the subways. Right. I didn't really eat much food. I may have grabbed a hot dog here or there. But talk about fasting and moving, that's what I did in that right. first week because <laughs> that's the sacrifice that I had to make. And I landed an amazing job um, working for Jewel Star, um, working for Mary-Kate and Ashley, which were the girls from Full House who had this multi-million-dollar uh-huh. fashion uh, company that was ran by a brand licensing agency. And I came in as a, an account manager and, you know, it was one of the greatest things. But I, 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 I you know, that week of walking past. Now imagine if you've ever been to, New, been to New York in the summer, you know how hot it is. Mm-hmm. And I had on crocodile heels and black suits walking, blocking uh. from interview to interview. I had blisters. I, I was in a lot of pain. But when I wow. tell you there was a there was on my way to this very last interview, which is a job I really wanted, my feet just cramped up. I could not move, I could not walk, I was done. And I just stood like, in the middle um, of Fifth Avenue. I stood in the middle of Fifth Avenue and I said a prayer. I said, God, if you take away this pain, I will honor you for the rest of my life. Two wow. seconds later, no pain. And I'm not playing, I'm not joking, I'm not I believe you. When I, believe I tell you, you I had new feet. I got to that interview with, with two minutes remaining. Every other, every other company was lowballing my offer, 24000 20, Essence Magazine offered me 24000 I'm like, how am I going to survive on this? But I knew mm-hmm. this job was the $39,000 job, the job I really needed in order for me to, to, to do what I need to do as a new woman in this city who now is going to have to have, you know, rent and all the things. I knew I knew what I needed, mm-hmm. and this was the one. But this was also the one that my feet was not going to let me get to because I was, I was <laughs> tapped out at that point physically. Right. And I had new feet, and I got to that interview, and I got that job offer, and I started that job on that Monday. Wow. And nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nice. So <laughs> I, can, I, I, can, I can imagine moments. you. I can imagine mm-hmm. you in that black suit, in that black suit, in those shoes, Fifth yeah. Avenue, and your feet just decided I don't want to work anymore. Because those New York City like, blocks are not—they're yeah. no joke. <laughs> and I had on brand new leather crocodile shoes because my other job oh my while God. in college was at Saks Fifth Avenue. So we had—I was able to use some of my graduation money to purchase a couple suits so that I can go on these interviews. And so there, so. I had really, really, you know, sex with them. We got really good suits so, and shoes, so right. I got the best. I got the best so yeah. I could show up, right? And, and so, but the downside is I didn't get a chance to break in those leather shoes. So in the heat <laughs> and the sweat <laughs> and the leather crocodile, you know, heels, you know, it was a problem. But when I made that, when I said oh. that prayer, it was not a blister, not a pain, not a nothing. It was uh, it, I still to this day think, you know, every time I think about it, because that's how I knew. I mean, I knew God was real all my life, but right. like, I really knew it then. Right. I really knew it then. And that was the it job that I needed. That, cha- that, that, that was the job that took me on the trajectory for the next 14 years to go from one billionaire to the next billionaire to the next billionaire. And I'm talking about these are people who – 
you know, own these companies that I work for because I went to go work for Michael right. Jordan at Nike. And then I went to work for, you know, Mr. Lewis, who was the president of Uniworld. Then I went to go work for Bob Johnson, who was the CEO of BET. So mm-hmm. I was, you know what I mean? Every company yeah. that I worked, yeah. you know, work for had millionaires and now billionaires, you know, who were the CEOs, um, you know, of these companies. And so that was really on, you know, just the, that was the journey that I needed, but I also needed to be tested. My faith needed mm-hmm. to be tested because I shift gears. Everything was set up for me to go to law school. So I couldn't expect that everything was just going to automatically fall into place because I right. shifted gears. So I had to, I had to accept everything that was going to come with that shift. Right. What, what do you bad. think? What do you think was the the main lesson that you that you learned um, just being on on all of those jobs that you know that kind of paved the way for where you are now? Like, what what's the main thing that you took away from from those experiences? Oh my God, a lot of them, many, all of them hired people that were smarter than them, you know. And in truth, yeah, they had on. they had a great vision. For, and that's like top top line. Like I want to run. I want to have the biggest and the best footwear, you know, brand in the world. Or I want to have the biggest and the best, you know, apparel brand. Or I want to have the be- the best agency or entertainment company. They all had a huge vision, but they they needed the, they needed to bring some of the smartest people along with them to actually make that happen. And so I wasn't a, I wasn't stranger. I wasn't a stranger to the idea of teamwork and, and being able to have the best players at the table. I used to play high, I used to play high school basketball. So I learned early about how that works and why that works so well and, and, and what the starting team looks like and why they're the starting team, you know? And so I'd already, mm-hmm. I've always been a part, a starting player. I was, I played varsity all four years in high school, but I chose not to continue my basketball career, but I knew what it was like to be, you know, on the winning team. And so when I watched, many of these CEOs and how they chose the kind of individuals who were basically top brass and on their team, I understood what was necessary for them to, um, for them to be successful, but then also to like go to that next level. And so I always do, I do believe that it is very important to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. It is important for you to, you know, um, to be able to have a team of people with, who have their own individual core strengths that make up the collective of, of a team. And, and so in business, it's very much that, you know, that same way. Unfortunately, many corporate environments do think that that is, you know, that men really are the only ones that are capable of doing that. But I was fortunate and work, enough to work with a lot of companies that valued women you know, in those roles. And so I learned very quickly what was possible for me. Now, I understand that many people's experience in corporate America was misogynistic and, you know, definitely, you know, may have not been as diverse as possible. But for whatever reason, the rooms that I was in, I didn't really care about the optics of, you know, what was inferior for me. I only looked at what was possible. Right. So you you – had this great job. You're working with all of these brands. Fired um, your current business. 
or am I or am I or, or what or am I missing something in between what inspired your current business and that great job? Did we did we leave out the years in between? No, actually, it's a it's a combination. I always say gotcha. that I am at this intersection. I'm at the intersection of where I was in corporate in my corporate career and and my passion for beauty. So the, the gotcha. this business that you know of shift beauty is really that intersectionality because I really felt that there was a great opportunity to combine like all of the brand strategy and the brand marketing and the discipline that I learned. Um, working for others and, and, and managing multi, multi-million dollar brands and, and, and campaigns in corporate America, I felt like there was a great way to bring that to the, to the entrepreneurial world of beauty where brands are smaller, obviously operating on less, you know, um, less resources. But for me, there is this, you know, opportunity to make an impact, which is why I call my company Shift Beauty, to make an impact as a result of high-level corporate um, skills, but bringing it to the people that need it most, the emerging brand marketplace, who absolutely miss out on a lot of what I had already experienced for 14 years. None of, many of them are not. Um, and I also went to, you know, I went to business school to so have my, my MBA. I have a bachelor's in MBA and a corporate. So no, many entrepreneurs are gonna, aren't going to pivot back and go get an MBA. They're not. Many right, of them are not going right, to have the right. opportunity to sit, in, to sit in a boardroom with Michael Jordan or Bob Johnson or any, you know what I mean? They're, they're just not. That's not their path. But I had already been in those rooms. I had already got the degrees and the right. diplomas. I had already, you know, had a lot of success managing multi-million dollar brands, certainly I could do it, you know, here at this right. level. And I saw a need. I saw a need. You know, we are on, you know, the, the, the you know, it's particularly in the black beauty entrepreneur women founded space, you know, the least, you know, um, the, le- the most founded but the least funded. So what that means is mm-hmm. they're under-resourced. So I had to find a unique way of bringing those skills while still obviously being able to make it make sense for me from a business standpoint, but also, but more importantly, bringing those skills and that knowledge so that they can accelerate their businesses faster. I say that I am the entrepreneur that I needed because in 2000, I mean, I'm the strategist that I needed because from 2005 to 2007, I had my own makeup brand, but I didn't have someone Mm -hmm. like me. So when I had my daughter, got married and had my daughter, I was like, I can't do this because I can't manage entrepreneurship and new motherhood and all the things like something has uh-huh. to go. And it was the brand. But had I had someone like me, a strategist, I would, I would have been able to say, you know what? Why don't you scale you back to all. your top performing? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you scale back to your top performing products? Now go lean, mm-hmm. but go further with it instead of just folding right. all together. Right. So now I can give that kind of Intel to someone else so that they can continue to see, to, to see hope in their business because you don't have to always let it all go. You just have to know when to pivot. And I did not have someone mm-hmm. like me to help me to see that that was possible. Absolutely. You know, that, I get um, that. That's totally kind of what our, our um, issue was. I feel like back when we started with the line, you know, I hear now all of these black female-owned businesses have opportunities to get grants and get money and, you know, 
And just like you're saying, someone like you, but that wasn't around back then. Yep. You know? And so you're right. You just pivot and try to figure out what the next move is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, Um, You don't really have anyone to access to bounce to figure out um, to lay it out on the table, basically. There just wasn't anyone to be able to think the way that I was mm-hmm. able to think. Those people, they do exist, but they were already in corporate jobs and they weren't mentoring, so I didn't have anyone to mentor. Right. You know what I mean? So what I brought to, what I bring to the table now is a lot of that corporate sensibility, but it's strictly mm-hmm. for the entre- board of entrepreneurship. So I'm saying that if I had someone who was in corporate America who could, you know, give me that insight, I could have been able to look at my business differently or what was possible for my business differently at that time, but it just, it did not exist. And, you know, podcasts, all the things that we have access to now, certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, wasn't there. There could have been something that I could have leaned into and listened to and all that, whatever the case may be. But I think that all of that was really the setup for, you know, my next venture, which was Mm -hmm. this, because as, as we talked about, I was a creative. I was a makeup artist and, you know, a celebrity makeup artist, and I worked with a lot of high-profile, you know, individuals. And I did have an agency that also helped to employ other professionals to work in film and television. So I was, I was working as, at a business that was more like an uh, employment agency for other beauty professionals because there was a need there. Studios and yeah. producers were like, oh, we don't know where the black makeup and hair people are. I'm like, okay, well, we have a whole roster of them right here. You know, mm-hmm. you got a lot to choose from. And so that was a great moment for me because we worked, you know, we, we had, you know, we, we were able to work on some amazing shows and work with some of the biggest networks, own Bravo, you know, Lifetime. And so, you know, for five years, you know, my agency was really doing well. But what was happening was my look at my personal life, my daughter was getting older and I was like, God, I'm on three TV shows right now. I can't, this is something. Again, thinking about now I was smarter. I was like, no, I don't need to end this business to be, to focus on motherhood. I need to pivot it because now I have the language and the resources and the tools. Right. So I pivoted Mm -hmm. from working in film and television to working with brands. So still beauty, Mm -hmm. but not on the services side. Now I'm working with brands and I'm helping, I'm working with brands that consumers love you know, and so that for me is like, oh, now it's fully back to, a, a, you know, a, a, a bit of what I had already set this up to be. Corporate America, I was working with brands. So I needed, but I needed to go through the journey of a creative professional in, in beauty. You guys know, I mean, it's not, we have to, um, we have to make a name for ourselves. We have to establish right. yourself, right? And I needed to do that. I had to go to, and many people were like, why are you leaving a six-figure job to go do makeup? Like, are you out of your mind? Like, why are you, like, and they couldn't see the vision that I could see. It wasn't just about going to be a makeup artist. It was about becoming the executive that I knew that I needed to, but I couldn't do that in the former corporate role that I was in because none of it was beauty. As, you, as right. I laid out my career with you guys earlier, I never one time said I had a corporate job that was beauty. I said right, my right, hidden right. passion, my hidden passion. So that meant that no one in beauty would hire me because I did not have anything on my resume that demonstrated that. As much as, much as I had worked for some of the biggest brands, 
for whatever reason, that was always, like the door always closed for me when I pursued beauty. So I said, okay, cool. Here's what I'm going to do. Once again, I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm just going to create mm-hmm. this for myself. So Another. it took nine years to do it, but I also built a <laughs> lot of great, you know what I mean, credibility, yeah. a lot, you know, and all the things that I needed to do, you know, while also building a, you know, a good personal life. I was building my professional life, but I had to do it on my terms. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me ask you, what kind of advice would you give other beauty professionals who may be struggling, you know, kind of with some of the same things, like they have, they have families, um, you know, and they're trying to juggle these careers and just the whole idea of having to pivot and, you know, you can kind of stay in the same industry, but find, finding something else to do there. What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, you know, I always, I know this may sound cliche, but I I think that it's really about your why and, like, what your purpose is. Like, what is it that you Mm -hmm. ultimately want to accomplish? Because you can't just be a makeup artist or hairstylist or, you know, barber just for no reason because at some point either your finances or the industry is going to force you to level up. One or the two. You're either not going to mm-hmm. make enough money or you're going, to, you're going to be overlooked for things that you know that you're capable of achieving. Something is going to cause you to. But ultimately, if you get in front of it and you say, you know what, if, you're, if, you, if you see what's possible with yourself, you have a skill and you have, you, you have a solid customer base and you have a solid um, reputation, how do you then leverage all of that into something that is both tangible and intangible? Meaning, is there a product, you know, that would make sense for me that I could easily sell that is what I call authentically connected to my brand and as a, or, or my skill set as a professional? And if I already have a brand or a product and it's not doing well, did I do all that, did I, did I do all that it takes foundationally for that brand to get beyond year one and year two because most close within that time frame if they're not set up correctly. So mm-hmm. if you know that you rushed because you thought that you could make a lot of, you know, some quick bucks and didn't do all the fundamentals of establishing a brand and a business, the strategy that it would go into knowing not just where your business is going but how it's going to get there, you have, if you know, because we all know, we all know when we skip corners, we all know when mm-hmm. we, you know, when we don't, we, when we jump over, we go from A to F, not A to B. Right. We know. And just being honest with yourself and asking yourself, like, have you done the work? Because something in your life is going to force you to answer that question one way or the other. And so that, for me, is one of the things. It's like, have a plan, do the work, know your why. And get and, and, and get an expert to help you early because you don't know what you don't know. And the first investment right. that people try to make is like, oh, let me go get a bunch of stuff and start making it. Yes, that is a part of it because you want to start to feel your way through your whatever it is that you're producing. But at the same time, you have to know, you have to want to set up, set yourself, set yourself up for success. 
So if you are just a creative that has no foundational understanding of business, then you need to get someone like me, you know, or, you know, someone, a CFO who, who's, who's great at finances, because that's also one of the biggest pieces is like setting up that part of your business plan where you don't really know how to create the projections, really look at your financial, you know, model and how it makes sense for your business. So it's like, as someone who does have a master's in business, I know, I know those things, but how do you then make it palatable for the beauty industry? How do you make it palatable for creative professionals who are not trying to create like this massive corporation? They're just want to launch a product. Well, at the end right. of the day, it all requires structure, but the structure and framework is necessary. But how you go about it is just a little bit nuanced. So that's what I do is, like, help the brands really figure out how to take, like, this large-scale, you know, expectation of a business plan and really curate it to more of, like, a pitch deck and, and, a, and, a, um, and a document that really speaks to their particular space in the business so that they can be able to, like, actually articulate it and then see themselves um, in that, you know, as a, as a, as a business-minded person in the center of their creative project. What are, what are some of your, like, first steps when a brand approaches you and they want to work with you? Like, what are some of your first steps with that brand? Yeah, so, you know, I have, like, my, my list of what I call my perfect tens because I ask these questions mm-hmm. on every – on every brand call because it really helps me to assess who is stepping to me because mm. my, I take my work very seriously and I want to work with people who also have, now you don't have to, you don't have to know it all. And I don't expect you to be the biggest and the brightest and all that, but I need to understand where your mindset is. Starts with right. that because at the end of the day, when we start to go into daily, I mean, weekly calls and planning and all that stuff, your mindset is the thing that's going to get you showing up and doing and executing on the things that we've laid out because that tells me what kind, how disciplined you are, how serious you are, interested you are, how curious you are, what work have you already done to this point. So I do ask, you know, that, those, those 10 questions for everyone, you know, initially. So I have a, I have a consultation call that is complimentary, but this is for the first 30 minutes, and we're asking these questions and allowing them to ask me, you know, some questions back. But, I'm, but it's an assessment. The assessment happens early because I don't take, I don't work with everyone who wants to work with me. I do, it is very important to work with people who, understand, who, who want to win. But winning is not just like, oh, I got this product because my grandmother made it, and now I want to do it, and I'm happy about it, and I'm excited about it. Because that's just, a, that's, that is like a small percentage of what it's going to take to actually launch right. and scale. Because the strategy, the storytelling, the positioning, <laughs> I mean, take precedence over passion. Mm-hmm. But I it's get a lot hard. of passion. But there, but there are a lot of passionate people. I'm not saying don't be passionate. I'm very passionate, too. But for passion the, is not um, going to make you profitable. For some of the, the brands that may have reached out that you decided not to work with, was it hard for them to understand understand that, that, you know, 
like you were just saying, you know, the strategy, the storytelling is more important than the passion. Was that hard for them to, to understand? Because, you know, they, they were so passionate and they believed in this product and really wanted to do it, really wanted to work with you, and you decided, no, they're not the one. Was that hard for them yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it's always hard. Rejection, yeah, rejection is going to be tough for anyone, right? But here's the difference. You know, having a passion, being passionate about something does not also mean like you're, 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 you know, like you believe in it because right. if you believe in it, if you believe in it, you're going to do everything you need to do to make sure it's successful. You can be absolutely passionate about a thing and you, and that's all the steam and smoke you have because when you believe in it, you're going to be like, okay, what do I need to do? And how committed am I am to this thing? And who do I need to bring along, invest in? What, what expert do I need to invest in? Because this thing that I believe in has to work. So I need to bring on everything and everyone that I need to make this happen. But if someone is strictly on passion and they're unwilling to see the work that needs to be done, then that is a very different person than someone who believes in their product. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it is, it, is, it is never easy to, to, to sort of reject someone or to, you know, because, and look, I mean, I'm human too. I get it. But I also know what it's like to work with someone where you have to pull them along. Like you have to, you know, like pour, you have to pour so much into them that you have nothing left. And as someone who works with multiple brands on a very everyday basis, mm-hmm. there's only about so much pouring that I can do you know what I mean? Before it starts to look like this is a one-sided relationship because you have right. to participate right. in your own, you have to participate in your own success. There's no way around it. That's so true. If you're unwilling to participate in your own success, then this is not going to be a fruitful partnership to work with, you know, someone. But I, I am here for the brands to win. Every brand that works with me knows that. I have a good relationship. I'm, it's not just transactional as a strategist. It is really I'm an extension of their business and their brand. I do a ton of things that most other people would charge a lot for, but it's only mm-hmm. because I'm a woman, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a mom, I, I, I get it, I'm, you know, I'm human, life happens. Like I'm with it with them. I have some, some people that, go, that, are going, you know, that have gone through like, you know, personal moments that you know, would have to, we have to pause and pivot in the middle of, like, working on something really important. But then we just mm-hmm. pick it right back up because, again, like, I'm with you. I want everyone to win. But we do, but I do have to work with people who want to participate in that success and not just complain. Right. Now, now Melissa, are you, are, you, are you just working with the brands to get them, uh, you know, through the launch, or do you continue on with, with them afterwards, or is it just totally yeah. I work with brands at different stages. So I have some brands that are in lab right now okay. so who are pre-launch, pre-revenue. And I have some brands that are already, many, mm-hmm. most of my brands are already in market. So they're at different growth stages. Um, some have been around for Thank a couple of years and some have been around for multiple years. And so I'm, you know, so I'm at, the, I'm with them wherever they are in their business journey. Once the contract Thank ends you. and for whatever reason, you know, we've decided like, okay, cool. We've, we've completed the, 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 you know, the, the nature of this project and this partnership, I come on as more of an advisor. So for the long term, they always have access to me. But they like, you know, hey, 
if they have a quick question or they want to tap in, I want to always stay connected with them even after we've sort mm-hmm. of we've grown we've grown out of our contractual relationship. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, how important is it um, for for these brand owners to? How important is it for us to brand ourselves um, as well as you know while you're you know you're trying to launch this product because you know that branding that as well is is important. So how important is it to brand yourself? Oh my God, it's, it's it's essential. You are the face of your brand. <laughs> you know, I always say like you are the you are the one that the consumer is going to look to to say who is this person and what is their story. Because we live in a time now where, where um, consumers are more interested in, you know, how a product is going to perform and what's the story behind the, 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 the brand and the, and the person who, who, did, who, who, bring it, who brought it to market. And so there is – and because atten- attention span, as you, we all know, is, like, really limited right now. There's so much that consumers are spending their time – uh, consuming and seeing and experiencing. And so we have to, every brand founder has to cut through all of that so that they can attract those thousands of consumers who are going to turn into, you know, purchasers and, event, you know what I mean, and, and, and build a relationship with them uh, through the exchange of offering your wonderful product for their purchase. And so it is vital for you to have um, a presence so that they know who you are because they trust you. They now can trust you. They can believe in you, right? And, and that's what people like. They want to buy. They buy into people that they know, like, and trust. And so if you're not visible or acceptable, then it's going to be very difficult for you to have a a relationship with, with, a, with a consumer that's going to result in a purchase, you know. And so I do spend a lot of time emphasizing personal branding for founders. You have to show up. You need a professional headshot. You need to go live on your Instagram. You need to, you know, have content for, you know, on YouTube and other spaces, sharing your product. You need to love your product as much as you want that customer who's going to spend 20 30 however much dollars to purchase, they need to see you, you know, just as much involved. You need to build a community, however you mm-hmm. do that, whether it's through, you know, native apps or, you know, um, Facebook um, communities or whatever the community you can build on Circle. What, there are tons of platforms for you to, but you need to build a community so that now you can have a direct relationship with people who now, who, who, can, who connect with you and whose story is reflected in your story. So there's a lot of work that founders have to do that many of them are unwilling to do because many founders are introverts. And I hear this over and over and over again. I'm an introvert. I don't, I'm more behind the scenes. I like to just oh, do wow. the work in the, in, the, in the lab or in the warehouse. I don't want to be in the forefront. Well, then you must not want to sell a product. Because unless hmm. you're going to pay Unless you're going to pay an influencer to be the face of your brand, which is probably going to cost you half a million dollars at this stage, yeah. because you're gonna you're gonna want to get an influencer who can convert. So you get a right. major influencer, you know. You're unless you're willing to do that, you better get from out of that warehouse, get in the shower, <laughs> comb your hair, 
Put on some lipstick and a nice dress and get out there and let them know who you are. It is just, there's no way around it. So I, I have empathy for the introverts because I don't know what that li- that's like because I am an extrovert. And I always say, like, if I could be the face of every one of my brands, I could sell all of their stuff, right, because I don't mind showing up. But to get them to, to, to get out of their comfort zone is a huge part of that first 30 days of our relationship building that I, that, I, that okay. if you talk to any of them, they'll tell you that is one thing that I spend a lot of my time getting them to understand how important it is for them to show up and know that they are the face of their product and they have to get out there and get out there right. You can't just walk out there looking all any old way. It's just not going to happen because founders are aspirational as well. If you're selling right. a skincare product, but your skin is questionable, ah, hmm, off-brand, off-brand. Right. <laughs> you're selling a hair care product, you're telling them how smooth and silky your hair is going to look, and you got yourself up in a, a high ponytail with nothing going on to demonstrate that you are also a consumer of the thing that you're out there selling, I'm saying stay on brand. But you have to create yourself in a way that allows people to, to, to take you seriously you'll not have the time in this day and age to play around with consumers. They're not having it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So true. No matter how hard it so, seems, it, it is hard for the introverts. It. It's hard for the introverts. I know it. I've seen it. And I'm like, some of them, some of them, when I finally get them to sort of, and I do what's called, like I help them to sort of softly get into it. So I'm like, just go on an IG live with me or let's do a Zoom conversation and I'll post it out there so that you can get comfortable. Or maybe let's do a Zoom conversation right. and we don't post it at all. I'll send it to you so you see how you look, right? Right. So let's just keep this internal. But every one of them, I have to treat it differently because the levels of introvertedness can be very severe or some of it is just kind of like, oh, I just don't, I'm not quite sure what I should, how I should look or show up, you know, and that's more like more mm-hmm. of a, a makeover kind of thing, right? So some of them will come to LA and well, I'll take them through my makeover engine, bring in my wardrobe person, bring in my hair person, and we get in front of that camera and we do a photo shoot and we rebrand you and like, boom, oh my God, I didn't know I could look like that. Those are, those are real <laughs> easy to work with. But the ones where I actually right. got to go into the psychiatry bag and like talk about mindset, and, you, know, <laughs> you know, like there's some, there's some extremes. And I'm not trying to talk bad about them. I'm saying that this is reality, that we are humans and we are, our, all of our personalities are different. But, the, but, the, but how I pull out the best of you because I care and I want you to win is going to look differently for everyone based on, and it's mostly the ones that are fall into the introverted now, I have some very severe extroverts who are like, want to put it all out there. I'm like, oh, let's peel that back a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little bit longer skirt, uh, less, you know, ratchet music, a little bit, you know. So, you know, all of it. <laughs> There's some work in, on all levels. But, uh, yeah, the introverts are the ones that are the biggest challenge. But I, I, I've also seen the biggest transformations from them as well. Right. Wow. <laughs> so what are you guys inspired you Are you guys um, I'm sorry, what you say? I'm a little bit of, I'm 
kind of a little bit. I'm a little bit of both, but I think when it when it comes to that, like that, uh, the lives and all that, I'm I'm little I'm a little more of an introvert, and I'm like, uh. but the thing is, once when I do it, then I get comfortable right away. Then, I, mm. but I have to do it more. I have to keep doing it because if I don't keep yeah. doing it, then I'm back into the shell again. Yeah, the consistency is important. I have a founder who would not go live at all. Like she, you know, now she's going live on TikTok and other places, you know, and she's going from like, you know, like very, very small, like hundreds of dollars a week to now like, you know, five figures because a weekly Mm -hmm. sales because she's consistent and she shows up and she's now built, you know, and she's built a, um, a relationship, you know, with the, you know, with the, with, the viewers and the audience and the consumers where they trust her now. Like they expect her to come on and share insightful beauty information. So now she's built this relationship. But in order for that to happen, you have to consistently be there. It's like any other relationship that we have in our real life, right? If you don't show up Mm -hmm. and if you're not there consistently and if you're not, you know, delivering or offering to me things that makes me feel connected to you or happy, then, you know, things are going to fall apart. It's the same thing in the world, of, you know, where you're out there meeting with hundreds of people, thousands of people in the, in, the, in the metaverse, as they say, that you would never meet personally, but who you meet at a certain time when you log on to IG or you log on to your TikTok Live or whatever, and they are, they have, they're now like, oh, they're hoping you fulfill something, you know, with the time frame that they've shared with you, you know, on this platform. So the relationship is, is really important. And the consistency of it as a founder. Yeah. What inspires you? Hmm. Ooh, you know, uh, <laughs> honestly, and I, this may again sound, but I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm this, this mom who is just in love with my child. And I think about how much she pays attention to everything that I do. And Mm -hmm. she emulates so much of what I do. And she's curious about so much of what I do. And I think that I have this opportunity to be, I am this mirror, but I also have this opportunity to shine the greatest light on a human that I would be blessed to bring into this world so that she knows what's possible and that she can have the greatest life that she has, whatever it is that she chooses to do later. But every moment of right. my life and, every, and, and as I move as a professional, I'm saying, how can I be the best at what I do? And how, and, and because that for me is what I can leave behind, you know, understanding right. that I came from, no running water, no electricity in Jamaica at seven years old to now being, you know, one of the most respected people in my industry and to build a career and have gone through all of that journey mm-hmm. to say, like, here's what is possible. So she, she doesn't have right. to have that story anymore. She now has, is able to inherit the, ex, you know, the, the hard work and the persistence and all the pivoting and the excellence that I demand on myself every day. So I'm inspired by Mm -hmm. the light that I can shine in her and then how that is going to help her to be and and live out 
the best of her life, you know, in, in the future. And I'm sure she's a little extrovert, isn't she? <laughs> totally. <laughs> if you see her videos <laughs> on Instagram, you already know. I'm like, whenever I post her, she's, yeah, like, yeah, she is absolutely, she got the extrovert gene for sure. <laughs> she doesn't have a problem taking pictures, no, being on camera. No. <laughs> None of it. None of it. Now I find myself going into her room to look for my lipstick. I'm like, where is my lipstick? <laughs> and it is on her makeup table. She got this little play makeup table. She's only, she'll be six. So, but, you know, she'll sneak my stuff that I'm, I'm reminded. But I snuck my mom's first red lipstick and got on that mm-hmm. school bus and wore it to school. Mm-hmm. So I am literally getting all of it back. And I'm, I'm here right. for it. Right. I am so here for it. And I'm just, uh, it's, 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 it's so amazing. That's how life just comes into this full circle. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful yeah. um, that she appreciates beauty uh, so early. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you were, you were smart enough and willing to pivot because you had a daughter and you knew that she was the most important thing to you. And so I'm, I'm happy that you were able to, to make those changes in your career, you know, from going from working on three television shows to, to doing something that was going to provide you, you know, the opportunity to, to spend more time with her, but to do it in your own way, you know, where you're yep. not, you know, working on TV shows, working on three at one time. I mean, come on. Man, I tell you, so my I'm, nanny I'm just, was I'm just happy yeah. that you were... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I always say, like, life is is going to bring you these challenges, and you have to figure out the best. How do you keep the best of both worlds, a happy home and a happy child, but also you're still being able to be effective, you know, within the the, the business or the industry or the work that you're called to do? And you have Mm -hmm. to go back and figure that out. Like, don't abandon it. Don't let it go, and don't let anyone else talk you out of what's possible for you. Everything, as they say, is figureoutable, and, and it absolutely is. It abs- but you need to take that time. Don't do it sharing it with everyone. Find your space of quiet time, meditation. I did mine through a sabbatical. Whatever it's going to cause for you to just sit with you and, 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 your, and your source, your God, your, your, um, that, that, that's quiet space so that you can listen and hear and pen and paper and figure it out, do that. Don't just walk away from a thing because you don't have all the answers. It is, it is you know, right. so I, that's what, that was what it was for me. I needed to find a way that these both worlds can coexist, my, my desire to be impactful in beauty and my desire to be, the, you know, a great mom to my, to my child. So, yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, last question for you, mm-hmm. and that's simply, that's simply, what is your definition of beauty? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my definition of beauty today and where I am in my life is the freedom that I feel um, 
to, you know, to, to not, it's the feeling rather, the feeling that I have when I'm able to give myself the best of whatever that is, you know, in my life. And so when it comes to self-care and I'm thinking about, you know, my facials and my massage and all these, you know, the things that I do for me, my beauty is really in my ability to give myself the best wellness and self-care that I'm worthy of right now in this stage of my life. Awesome. I love it. I don't think we've ever had anybody to describe it in such a way. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. This has been an amazing conversation, an amazing conversation. Uh, I feel like you have a lot of stories. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We could be on this thing for three hours, child. I know. I feel like you have a lot of stories. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just amazing. Like I'm still thinking about, you know, you finding this abandoned salon. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, you you didn't ask. You just went in and set up. You guys had fun with it. Um, but it, it kind of um, – I felt like it was a, it was it was an opportunity for you to continue to um, to play around in this beauty space, um, which you know. And then you go off after college, you go get this job. You know that passion for beauty is still there. The merging of the two is a has a lot to do with a lot of the other things that you've done in your career and and still doing. Um, I just think it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful journey. Um, you know, a lot of people, some people's journey Absolutely. into this industry is is not like that. Not to say that that was easy, but it, I just felt like it, just listening, it just sounded like you know that the beauty thing was always there, and then at the right time, you could bring everything together. Yeah, that's yeah. beautifully put. Everything Thank else you. was just a, yeah. yeah. the foundation for where you are now. All, all of your yeah. your work experiences, all of that was just, the, you know, the foundation for just laying the groundwork for where you are now in your business. Yeah, I agree. I like that. That, that was beautifully said. I do, I do fully agree that I think at every, at every stage uh, it was a reminder of, of, of what I'm called to do. But, the, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and it showed up in different ways. It showed up in this abandoned salon. Now, granted, when I, was, right. when I went in corporate America, it was very clear that I love beauty. I stepped into mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. office every morning, fully glam, hair, makeup, <laughs> every, everywhere I went. It was very clear that beauty was a, a huge part of my, you know, my representation and who I, you know, and, and how I um, show up in the world. Even so, like when I was in at the agency, um, the, the the president asked me to pitch for CoverGirl, and I wasn't on the CoverGirl business at the advertising agency. I was on the CPG, you know, business of Burger King. And so when he asked me to go pitch, I'm like, but I'm on this. He was like, I want you to do it because you know beauty. And again, mm. that moment is still carved into my brain because the secret that I kept of want it is you know 
doing makeup, as you said, like, you know, is this, this uh, side thing or, you know, and never, and I, and I said, never discussing it. For him to call that out, he said, you know beauty. I was like, he sees me, right? Mm-hmm. I need to find a way for all of this, these little miraculous moments to catch up to where I ultimately am called to be. And it finally has. It finally has right mm-hmm. here, right now in my career. That's amazing. That's a beautiful story. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, this is your first time being on the show, but hopefully it won't be your last. We would love for you sometime down the road to come back and share some updates, and there's a whole lot more we can talk about. I would love to come back. 2024 is a big year. I'm going you know, into venture capital. So I'll be in the investing in brands now. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm making, nice. um, I'm, I'm take, I'm making the pivot. I'm, I'm still going to be a service provider, but now I'm going to make it possible for other people, other brands to be successful. So I'm a literally going to be uh, an investor and I'm excited. I've already taken the first step. Uh, and so I can't announce anything until next year, but that's the next frontier. And these are brands that you guys already know. And so to be a minority investor um, helping other brands to be successful is, again, the thing that I had hoped someone like me was in a position to do when I had my own. And so this is, uh, that's the next frontier along with a, a podcast that we'll be launching next year and all kinds of things. So I'm excited that the, the story will continue. All right. Well, you'll have to come back next year and talk about it. <laughs> all right. I will. Amazing. Thank, thank right. you, thank, thank you both for having me. This was a pleasure. Absolutely, thank we're so you. happy that you came on. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, have a good All evening. Right. You too. Right. Thank you. You too. A big thank you to Melissa Hibbert for dropping by tonight and sharing some, um, sharing her journey actually with us. It's a great story. Um, great journey. Love to hear those type of stories. So thankful for her. Um, again, look out for all that she's doing. And again, like we just said, she can come back next hopefully, year. Um, hopefully, people. Hopefully, people learn something. You know. Yeah, absolutely. from her journey. You know. Hopefully, they were able to take something away from it. Absolutely. Especially those introverts. <laughs> yeah. Especially those introverts. Absolutely. <laughs> Those lives are so important. We already know. We already yeah. know. It's funny how, you know, how just when social media first came along, it was really, really honestly about being social. And now yeah. just about almost every platform is like how people get business. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just almost like you have to really, you know, if you know, if you are in that space, you really have to to um, utilize um, those social media platforms as such. You really have to get out there and get. You got to stop hiding and um, get out there right. and do what you have to do. So that was great information. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you all um, for spending 
your Sunday evening with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you to those who will listen on the playback. We appreciate you guys as well. And for our listeners all over the world, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. So that's our show for tonight. Have a wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.